Smart Supply Insiders. My name is Jeff Morrow, and today we are very fortunate to be talking to Howard Kaufman. He, Howard currently is the Vice President of Fine Art at Dixon Ticonderoga. And many of you may know Howard. He was the former owner and president of Princeton Brush, and he has agreed to just talk to us about art supplies in general. Um, Howard, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for uh, letting me join you. So thank you uh, very much for agreeing to come on and, t and talk to our audience. Can you give them a little bit of background on who you are and, and what you're up to? <laughs> well, um, I've been in the industry, believe it or not, for 50 years. Oh, boy. Um, I know. Uh, I, I've had my resume out on the street for a long time, but nobody wants to hire me, so I'm stuck <laughs> in the industry. But... Um, uh, started selling as a New York City sales rep, rub-on transfer lettering, believe it or not, to local art supply stores. And about uh, 30 years ago, founded Princeton Brush. I had worked for Grumbacher previously, and I learned a lot about brushes while I was uh, employed at Grumbacher, and then ventured out on my own and uh, owned Princeton Brush until about four years ago when it was acquired by what is today Dixon Ticonderoga. So... Um, Brushes is really my one area of expertise, uh, and it's it's been my passion, and I'm excited about sharing what I know with your listeners. Well, I, I we appreciate that. So let's just start out with, and and you know, why are there so many darn different types of brushes? It just seems like there's a billion of them out there. Why does that happen? Yeah, it's 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 daunting. It's confusing to a consumer, and people say to me what brush should I buy? And that's, that's a question that's so difficult to answer because to use the, um, the commercial, the uh, Capital One cards, yeah. what's, in your what's in your wallet? Yeah. Um, so it really depends on a lot of factors. Um, your level of expertise, your expectation. Um, are you using the brush for one painting or do you want to hopefully keep it for a long period of time? Are you painting in with oils or acrylics, um, and there's so many different kinds of acrylics. Are you painting in watercolor, mixed media? So there's no one answer that, that's, that makes it perfect that you should use this brush because a lot depends on what you're able to afford and what is the right brush for you uh, given your individual circumstances. Um, so it, it is really, you know, it has become a a very confusing subject. And I think, you know, if we go back in time, let's, let me just, if it's all right with you, Jeff, let me just sure. uh, talk to your, your listeners about the evolution of watercolor brushes. And I oh. think this is a good example of, of how things have evolved over many years. So when I started in the industry, the only choices really were sable brushes and there mm. were various levels of different sable and sable for watercolor was what everybody used enter into the market synthetics mm -hmm. and synthetics were viewed as the alternative the the lower quality less expensive if you can't afford sable you use a synthetic brush but it never was offering the properties that watercolorists need and and what makes a good brush in the area of watercolor how well does the tip point how mm. much Water or color does it hold? I mean, critically important, how much water or color does it hold? Equally important, or even more important, how does it release the color? 
And so one reason why... So what do you mean by how does it release the color? In terms of how the color flows through the hair Mm. onto the paper. Does it just drop all the water uh, as if you were squeezing a sponge? Mm. Or does it flow evenly so that... Because as a watercolorist, you want it to hold a lot of water, a lot of color, and not have to go back to... Your, your palette each time to redip it and refresh the brush. So the historical difference is when I started between a natural hair, sable, a good example, uh, the benchmark in the industry, and a synthetic was, if you can't afford a sable, the synthetic is there. And a synthetic was generally initially a single filament, uh, a straight filament. Envision a straw mm-hmm. and you're pouring color or water in one end and it just runs immediately right through the straw onto the onto your work that's not ideal um again because you don't want it to excuse the expression plop out onto your work surface right you want it to gradually flow and so initially again synthetics were were like oh yeah if you have to use a synthetic use a synthetic but like everything else from a technological standpoint synthetics have evolved and by evolving, I mean people started to blend different diameters of synthetic. So when you look at the more advanced synthetics, you began to they began to uh, blend different diameters. And then they took the next level of technology and they started to replicate natural hair. By that, I mean the shafts were no longer straight. They became mm. zigzag or S-shaped. They began to be more like your own hair. Um, and if you look at your own hair under a microscope, it isn't straight. It's it's wavy. And that wavy pattern allowed the color or the water to flow more slowly really? onto the working surface more evenly. It began to replicate sable. So, so let me ask you this. Um, we, a beginning watercolorist walks into a brick and mortar. They're, they're looking for the right brush, and that's a lot of great information. What should they be doing when they walk in and see all of these different watercolor brushes in the rack? Well, the first thing is, is obviously, again, to go back and, and look at the price point that makes the most sense for you. Right. Um, the second thing really is, are, do you want a watercolor brush that is relatively stiff, or do you want something that's soft? Mm. Uh, what's the painting surface? And the reason I mention that is when you look at historically speaking, as well as today, some people want a very stiff brush uh, that points to a sharp edge, a sharp point, a sharp edge. We're always critical keywords. What's the point? How well does the point hold up over time? Mm. Um, does it give you a sharp edge to make a defining line? There are two, there are two different kinds of ways to look at this. There's the sable brush, which was the benchmark for a sharp point and sharp edge. Mm -hmm. And then there was the squirrel brush. And the squirrel brush was always the softer, floppier brush that held even more color, more water. So both were kind of necessary, but it becomes often an individual preference. And so some people would say, I want a brush that bounces back snaps back to its original shape now will that happen will that happen in a watercolor brush will it bounce back and snap back to its original shape it sure will in the better quality brushes and today Uh we're not just talking about 
natural Kalinsky brushes, natural sable brushes, Kalinsky being the highest grade of sable. Right. Today we're talking about a good synthetic will have the same properties. It will bounce back to a sharp point, provide a good edge, no question about it. Um, the technology, again, the evolution has really made it comparable. I, mm. I can actually tell you a quick story, and I, I like to Please. mention the story. That, so I was actually at a trade show, and I was speaking to a, a gentleman. He was an elderly gentleman, not as old as me, but he was, <laughs> he was an accomplished artist. And I handed him uh, a Princeton um, squirrel brush. And I said, um, instead of me expounding what makes the brush great, I always like to hand the brush to the artist and say, please try it. And we have water and we have color and we have paper. And go ahead and make some strokes and see how you like the brush. Because he said he likes squirrel brushes because he likes a brush to be floppy versus a sable brush, again, that springs back to its original shape. He likes to manipulate the brush. Mm. And you can do that with softer squirrel hair. You can literally twist and turn the brush so that the shape becomes what you want it to be. Perfect. And it's an awesome brush. And he uses the brush and he says, oh, I like this brush. Uh, it's squirrel. And I said, it's synthetic squirrel. <laughs> and, and he said, he took it again back out and he started working the paper. And he said, no, that's, that's natural squirrel. And I said, <laughs> and I said um, okay, if you say so, but I, I'm positive it's 100% synthetic. And he said, he put the brush down. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't want to argue with the gentleman because he's the customer. And I said, thank you very much. It was nice to meet you. Oh, but how funny. I, yeah, a real story. But I think, you know, in, in watercolor brushes, you have a choice in synthetics today that are a fraction of the cost. Mm. Uh, and also, when you think about animal rights, right. uh, which we all care about. Exactly. Um, let's, let's talk about, you know, sable or squirrel. These brushes years ago, these, these animals were hunted primarily for the fur coat industry. Mm. And so people wore natural fur coats. Um, now with the concern about animal rights, it's no longer hunted. The, the weasel, which is the sable, is no longer hunted for the fur coat industry. So it's a, it's a byproduct, and we want to be responsible and and not and not do what was typical years ago of hunting animals for for artist brushes. Even so, again, it was secondary uh, from a product standpoint. So today, you have from all manufacturers, not just Princeton, you have really great synthetic brushes. They hold as much water. They mm -hmm. retain their point. Um, they give you the feel and look of the real product. And from a cost perspective, they're a fraction of the price. You can pay today for a size 10 pure Kalinske brush, three to $400. Oh. It has gone up significantly, oh. uh, supply and demand. And, you know, you may love the brush, but three or $400, that's, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and when you can buy so many brushes, so many more brushes at 10, 15, 20 percent of that price, yep. you can have so much a much larger selection and it makes a lot more sense economically. And and everybody today, I, I think the amount of natural synthetic hair brushes we sell has diminished greatly. Uh, wow. 
I can, well, I can tell you. Go ahead, let, Jeff. Let me ask you this question. Um, an awful lot of our, our listeners are out there, and they don't have access to brick and mortars where they can go in and look at the brush and feel it. A lot of them have to buy their brushes online. How are they going to be able to tell, if you know the answer to this, when they're just looking at a picture of a brush from one, some online store, what's best for them? Any well, ideas? I think, yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, a lot of artists talk to one another, and social media today is a very good way to get ah. information. Because a lot of artists are taking tutorials. Um, they're, you know, Whether you're a beginner or an advanced painter, and we go to some trade shows uh, where they're top-notch artists there. And inevitably, as the audience sits in front of a, an accomplished artist, they're going to say, what painter are you using or uh, what, what brush do you use? And, you know, the instructor will say, the artist will say, I'm using brand so-and-so, and it's mm-hmm. a, a round or a flat or a liner shape so-and-so, and I really like this brush. Um, but you can also read reviews online um, from other artists, uh, not always necessarily the most reliable, but if you see a brush, regardless of the brand, and it's got, you know, four and a half or a five-star review, and some of the internet sellers have three, 400 reviews on a particular brush, Mm. it's maintaining that four and a half or five-star review, and you start to read down, you realize after a while that that this is a safe bet, that this this has got credibility, um, and that's how you put one and one together to know what brush makes the most sense. Okay. Again, again, looking at the price point as as an important determinant because you you need to have an array of brushes. So trial and error, internet comments, watching tutorials, yep. these are all invaluable. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm not interested in selling you Princeton. I'm interested in trying to help your readers, uh, your listeners. Excuse me, trying to help your listeners. Right. Um, get a better insight into brushes today. And if we, and if I can, Jeff, if there's time, just to to talk about natural bristle. Please do. Right. Absolutely. So here's another here's another perfect example of how things have changed over the years. When we enter the world of oil painting, mm-hmm. um, years ago, everybody using natural bristle. Using natural bristle was the benchmark. Everybody had it. I mean, nobody was using synthetics. And people really wanted natural bristle, which is from the hog. Um, yep. And and what they liked about natural bristle was its strength. Yep. It had it had rigidity, so it could move heavier body paints like oils and acrylics versus, say, watercolor. Yeah. Uh, what they liked about the natural bristle is that when you look at it closely, it has split ends, meaning the mm. tips are split like a branch on a tree. Yeah. Has various, okay. Well, those natural bristle split ends hold more color than a typical synthetic did years ago, mm-hmm. which was again like a straw, a straight filament. So by having these tree branches, it grabs more color, gives you better control, and it was able to push heavier paints than the early generation synthetics. Now turn the clock forward, 15, 20, 30 years. Everything that you see in natural bristle you can get in a synthetic. Even the synthetics have evolved to the point of having split ends. And wow. when you look closely, you'll see those split tips, again, replicating, let's say, a branch on a tree. So it's able to grab as much color. The advantage, the advantage is that after a while, a natural bristle would wear out, where a synthetic hair 
is going to retain its shape, last a lot longer. And you can get synthetics in various degrees of stiffness, soft, medium, and really stiff. So mm. depending on the type of paint you're using, whether it's a heavy acrylic uh, or a fluid acrylic, whether it's an oil color, today you can find the right brush depending upon what the medium is that you're using. And again, uh, if you look at the pricing of natural bristle and the availability, the pricing has gone up and the availability is down. Believe it or not, uh, in China today, where most of the natural hog hair comes from, the consumption of pork has increased exponentially. As a result, there's not as many pigs available to supply the hair. And because of environmental controls, the hair on the hog had to be bleached, cleansed, those processes are very expensive. So mm. hog hair, natural bristle, like sable for watercolor, very expensive, mm. hard to get good quality. Um, synthetics are the answer. And we go to uh, a number of trade shows. One is plein air. Yeah. And if I go back 10 years ago to the plein air show, we would sell 75% natural hog hair. In the last couple of years, uh, I would say it's flipped the other way. At least 75% are buying synthetics and finding them absolutely suitable. Again, not just from an affordability standpoint, right. but from a usage standpoint and a durability standpoint. So for, so, our, for our audience, uh, what does plein air mean? Plein air is really a, a form of painting outdoors. Oh, okay. um, and so these are the people that pick up their easels and they go out and they paint the mountains. They go paint uh, uh-huh. scenery. It's, it's, it's a wonderful um, way of enjoying painting plus the outdoors. Smart. And this one convention called Plein Air, which is held once a year. Yeah. Uh, this year, I think it's going to be in Santa Fe. Right. The, the, the people are there to listen to the experts, to learn, to buy products, and then mm. to literally go out and experience painting with their contemporaries and with teachers who help guide them to more satisfying results. It's, wow. it's a awesome. It's one of many, many trade shows. So uh, talking about brushes, and you've given us a great uh, view of where we've been and where we are, what changes do you see coming in, in that area over the next couple of years or even 10, 10 to 20 years from now? That's a, that's a tough question. I usually know most of the answers, but, <laughs> but I think as, as things continue to evolve, you'll see brushes be more durable, hold more color. From a from a textural response perspective, right. they'll give you the feel and look. I mean, we are always working on new, innovative brushes that reflect the needs of the marketplace and respond to um, customers' questions. Uh, we're looking to to expand our synthetics into multimedia. Uh, we're already a big part of that market. We're coming out with another a new brush. We call it Preserve. It'll be out later this year. Mm. It's environmentally friendly from the wood handle, which is FSC certified. Oh, it is. To the, yep, to the hair. Uh, can you, is, uh, real quick, when you're talking about that FSC certified, can you tell our audience what that means? Uh, basically, the wood comes from a reforested uh, location. It, we're not cutting down trees uh, to make brushes. Everything is from a sustainable forest. Okay. And, and so it's it's basically protecting the environment and, and not doing what you might see in the Amazon jungle where they 
they knock down trees and it has a, an adverse effect uh, for all of us on the environment and global warming. Uh, Got it. We want we want to use things that can be recycled wherever possible, and um, and I think that's that's our responsibility, that's our obligation, um, you know, on this planet. And we've I seen agree. we've seen what we've done. Uh, we we can only hope that we'll slow down that process. And as we recycle today, we we think it it covers it crosses all industries. We all have that moral obligation to future generations. So. You know, how will it change to, to sum up your question? Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to the question. I wish I had the crystal ball, but got it. You know, to say that we've reached the pinnacle of, of making the ideal brush, no, I'm sure that there will be more things that will evolve in terms of hair research, especially in the synthetics again, that will allow it to hold more water, better placement, and, and who knows, in 10, 15 years from now, somebody will look at the brushes that I'm excited about selling every day and say, those are dinosaurs. Those are dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 the expectation because the good news is that we're always getting better. Well, I think this is a, a perfect place to stop, and we would sure love to have you back on the show again sometime in the future to talk more about brushes, if that's okay with you. Jeff, it would be my pleasure. We've known each other for a long time. And, long time. And, and I don't know much about a lot of things. I just know a few things about brushes, and I love to share um, my past and discuss the products so that your listeners can be more informed. It's, and it's a, can you tell me what is the, um, so if they wanted to find out more about the brushes that you're involved with, do you have websites that people could go to? Um, Princetonbrush.com certainly uh, shows the full array of our brushes from A to Z. There's, it's an endless series, but I think, you know, again, one of the best ways from a, a non-commercial point of view is to look at the key websites that are out there, and there's many of them, uh, Blick, Jerry's, Cheap Joe's, uh, the local retailer. And if you can support your local retailer, that's another check mark that I try to encourage. Um, but I think there's many ways to educate and certainly taking, again, uh, tutorial classes, um, just comments on social media. Um, there's so much information available today uh, to take the confusion one level down and make it more understandable. Well, that's great. And uh, again, Howard, thank you very much. Uh, You've been listening to the Art Supply Insiders. Check back with us often as we talk about the world of art and craft supplies. Now go out and create something. 